Welcome to Fundraising Stories with Female Founders. I'm Julia Elliott-Brown, the founder and CEO of Enter the Arena. I'm a serial entrepreneur and an expert in raising investment and business growth. Our mission at Enter the Arena is to empower female founders to fly through pre-raise and investment and onto the exponential growth of their business with investment expertise and business coaching. Here we share the stories of inspirational female founders who've raised investment to inspire you to do the same. You'll hear their honest accounts of what it was really like to secure funding, the highs, the lows, and the challenges they experienced on the journey. And along the way, we'll discuss top tips for how you can be successful too. So today we're talking with Daisy Hill from the edtech startup Zish. Now, Zish is an education technology platform that enables teachers and parents to understand children's learning gaps and then finds educational apps and resources to help each child progress. So it's kind of all about getting the best education apps and resources into the hands of every learner in the world. So for example, um, a child in the Philippines should be able to pick up a smartphone and use it to become an aerospace engineer if they want to. And what makes Zish brilliant is that they save so much time for teachers personalising what they teach. And this enables them to make a real difference for how each child learns, which is amazing. Um, Zish is already used by over 200,000 teachers and 2.5 million students worldwide. So the business is going great guns. Daisy joined the company as the COO at quite an early stage in 2016 to support the founder, Charles. And Daisy brought with her a decade of experience working in tech ventures across a wide range of disciplines, including marketing, operations and account management and also raising investments. So she's got some great skill sets for the business. But when Daisy joined, um, Charles had already raised, I think, over a million in seed funding from angels and through Innovate. UK grants, but Daisy went on to lead the next two raises of £2.1 million in funding through a crowdfunding round, which has really enabled the company to scale to 30 people um, in three different countries. So I'm super excited to hear about Daisy's experience with crowdfunding, what she learned, and the advice she has for other female founders. So welcome, Daisy. <laughs> Thank you. It's great to have you here. So a huge congratulations on your raise. What an amazing achievement. And um, so you've done two different rounds on Crowdcube, is that right? Yes, uh, we did um, one in 2017, um, uh, a big round, and then um, we've uh, just closed one in August 2018 as well. Fantastic, that's great. So, so I mean, as I said in the intro, you've, you'd already had some institutional investment and angel investment on that round. So what made you decide to go for crowdfunding? I'm really interested to know. Um, God, I mean, a, a lot of different reasons. I mean, first, I guess it's, it's kind of important to say that with crowdfunding per se, certainly equity crowdfunding anyway, it's never really just crowdfunding. So um, uh, we went into crowdfunding knowing that we had um, some really supportive current investors so um, that we could kind of use to seed a, a crowdfunding round. Um, I think the, um, the other thing that's uh, really appealed to us about crowdfunding actually is um, the kind of international reach it has and the online kind of presence. So you've got uh, basically like an online marketing page that can be sent out to anyone in the world um, uh, from any industry, you know, you can reach hundreds of thousands more people than you would ever be able to and it kind of just um cast your net quite wide uh, and and also i think um 
for us, we're, we're an ed tech company, so uh, the, the social impact side of things does get kind of hearts and minds uh, quite a lot, so it does appeal to that, just that general crowd investment too. Um, the, what I have found about crowdfunding as well is that actually just uh, kind of putting my administrative hat on here, it's um, uh, practically really easy, so you can get investors to invest any amount, and it's just with a debit card as opposed to having to process everything yourself, uh, and also because of the uh, nominee structure unless they're kind of a big ticket investor actually it doesn't mean your cap table has 500 people on it it's um you can keep it a bit a bit more clean because of the uh, the nominees so yeah it's yeah, great it's not. great that nominee structure thing isn't it because mm. it didn't used to be the case with all the crowdfunding platforms but they seem to have all moved that way now so so that just means that as you say instead of having 200 people on your yeah. cap table you just have the crowdfunding platform and then they manage those investors for you so yeah exactly. nice. and, and your existing investors then were they were they really supportive of you going out and doing the crowdfunding round uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes no i think um there, there is a kind of so with i guess all funding rounds what really your kind of big existing investors want you to do is kind of get on and grow the business and obviously fundraising is always uh for the ceo certainly a quite big distraction um so there was maybe a little bit of concern that because of the amount of work that goes into doing a crowdfunding campaign because it's a lot of work <laughs> um that that might be a distraction i think uh what did kind of allow their fears i guess is because i i kind of came on with that knowledge of fundraising um and i kind of look after sort of 90 percent of their campaign and meant that actually it wasn't as much of a distraction for the ceo and so once that was kind of settled um then um yeah they, they were super supportive and you know it's quite exciting crowdfunding so it was nice for them to be a part of it as well that's really good i mean but did you i mean how did you feel were you nervous like before you started this crowdfunding round were you thinking oh my god because it's very public isn't it what, what it's what so public um it's yeah it, it's one of those things that you never feel that you're quite ready and you keep going, oh no uh, i haven't done this bit yet or i need to talk to this person first there's so, there's so much that goes into it eventually you have to go oh you know let's just do it um yeah i mean the, the second round i was actually more nervous than the first the first round we as even as we were kind of preparing to crowdfund got like a load of momentum um had you know like i said our existing investors was really supportive financially uh, we got a, a fund involved from china so i kind of knew we had enough financial backing uh, at this point to kind of just go into it and go straight away but i mean it was it was more successful than i thought i think we managed to close it within about three days raise the hit wow. up in, in 24 amazing. hours so that's yeah amazing. it was super exciting and it was kind of one of those things that i'd seen um when i kind of looked at other crowdfunding founders i was like how do they do that um so that was amazing um well, that's the, I mean, that's, the, that's the magic though, isn't it? And it is, I think for other entrepreneurs, they look at crowdfunding campaigns and some of them do fund really quickly. Mm. There is that thinking of like, oh my God, how did they do that? I mean, so let, I want to ask you a couple of questions around how you structured that because there's something around how much momentum you had in advance. So how much mm. of the round you had committed before you go out to crowdfund, but also how you set your target to make sure that you do get this done really quickly uh, about how you structured it can you share some of that this is a, a, such inside the secrets isn't it how you kind of <laughs> the targets and things like that um yeah i mean the last thing you want to do is publicly fail like you said so i think 
the campaigns that I've seen fail haven't been um, bad campaigns or, you know, the, 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 very often nothing to do with the actual business. But I think you need to understand that a lot of it is it's a sense of people getting involved in something that seems really big and, and kind of that already has momentum. So you need to make sure that in, you know, private mode or yourself, you've put in so much groundwork to make sure you get that momentum. You cannot leave crowdfunding to guesswork so you can't just put it online and get oh yeah yeah like loads of people like all the ones i'm on the all the other ones i've seen will pile in it doesn't doesn't work like that so yeah i think the first the first round certainly we um had were pretty pretty sure that about two-thirds of the round was going to come in already um and because i know you know you hear this rule of thumb which is like you've got to have a, a third of the round committed but i don't i don't think that's enough I think I think because I think you've got to get beyond fifty percent for people to even start thinking maybe. I wouldn't go live without sixty percent actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you know what? There are a lot of campaigns that go out there when they've already got hundred percent in the bag. Yeah, and I think I don't think people know that. So we need to tell people these secrets because <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah. Makes me weep when I see campaigns going up that start with ten percent or twenty percent because you know off the bat it's probably not going to work. Yeah, it makes me so so nervous. Um, and yeah, and you see, it's. I think people need to be really clear about this because you can, up until not right up until you go live, but before you take in any investment on on the crowdfunding platforms, when it's um, you know, before you kind of put it in in personal, private mode, so your existing investors can put money in, like you can't you can change your target. So if you don't think you're gonna get, raise half a million, like then put that you want to raise. I don't know, 400,000 or something, and then at least you know you'll get that. <laughs> and then probably actually what will happen is you'll raise twice as much because you've kind of passed that. So it is... The psychology of it all, isn't it? Yeah, really? exactly. It's, it's the psychology of it. But I think I just... I guess, you know, the reason that I'm talking to you today is to kind of, I guess, give advice to people who are uh, looking at fundraising and thinking of all the options. So that's just super important. Um, yeah. Yeah. A, lot, a lot to think about around how much momentum you have, targets, um, adjusting that to make sure that you've got that success really, really important. Yeah, exactly. And uh, do you know, actually, our last, um, our last funding round, we, um, we put it in, uh, so you can put, you put things in private mode, so you know, people you know can put money in um, before it goes to the public. And actually, we put a fairly low target on private mode because we had some follow-on investments. Um, and then share the private mode on just the networks and then we're expecting it to be a couple of weeks and then actually hit target on that within about a day. Um, someone saw it who we didn't know and put, you know, the £50,000 investment in. And so actually we've kind of got momentum even like that, which makes me really interested. I think it is, a lot of it is about networks and, and, and that. Yeah, well, and I think that's a really great point you make because I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't realise how how much financial support there might be within your own network as you say from people who you don't expect it from or yeah. someone who's a connection of a connection so you can kind of go quite wide with that and you never know what you might find when you turn over those stones right yeah exactly that's I guess pretty like my number one tip actually for um yeah. <laughs> for anyone apart from don't say your target too high my, my number thing <laughs> in terms of like when the when you've got the round done in terms of the, the amount of funding that came from people you knew versus from the crowd itself do you know what the split was on that uh yeah so if, I, if i'm looking if i look across the whole kind of just over two million we've raised on crowdcube i think um probably just over 50 percent uh, was follow-on investment mm -hmm. um from existing investors um, which is always a good 
um, good sign for anyone who's going to put new money in. Uh, then um, people we actually knew, um, you know, people sort of direct connections will probably be another 25%. And then I'd say 25%, um, the other 25% was crowd. But mm. by crowd, it's hard to, because you do so much of your own marketing and reaching out to networks, encourage people to share it. You don't know necessarily who's found you totally cold or is part of the, the platform's crowd and, and who's yours. It's actually quite hard to say. Mm. So yeah, I think another, pe- another thing people don't realise, they think, oh, I could put my crowdfunding campaign up and then the crowd will come in. And actually, I think the 80-20 rule generally applies. It's usually around 80% of your hard work and then maybe 20% from the platform. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there, are, there are exceptions. I think there's some kind of uh consumer facing fintech for example you you might get a lot of that's just quite easy to to digest as an investment you might get a bit more but no otherwise it's definitely so so what about the whole um process of getting up on the platform tell us about how you found the kind of admin and the legal process of getting it all ready uh way way more work than i actually thought uh (laughs) you probably know um i I think what, what what they kind of do just not to scare people off is um you, you kind of go to it go through it gently so you're like oh and the next step is this and then there's another next step and another next step um which, which is you know it's good for investors because actually if I was looking the other way I kind of want to know that a platform had gone thoroughly through the legals and done the due diligence but um I mean the due diligence process of uh, of crowdfunding investing involves things like finding someone's employer from 10 years ago and asking them to write a reference saying the exact states they'd worked there and um yeah, I remember having to go up into my mum's loft to try and find, you know, my degree certificate. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I was like, really? The due diligence is very, very thorough, isn't it? They have to verify absolutely everything that you say, yeah. as you say, is, is good. But for the entrepreneur, it's quite painful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then you kind of become so everyone in, in the in the business's worst enemy because they're trying to do, they're trying to do their job, and I'm going. Good, but do you mind finding your degree from <laughs> your PhD from 15 years ago or, yeah. or something like that? So it's very, very thorough um, and does take a bit more. You kind of have to allocate a lot more time to it than you think. But again, you know, when you do sort of groundwork for the next round or, you know, when you have to do due diligence again, everything's already verified. So it doesn't take yeah. time. Yeah, it's a good it's a good process to go through, isn't it? Having all that mm. stuff ready. So. Okay, so let's talk about the roller coaster of emotions that comes with crowdfunding. Because um, you're doing it in what? I mean, normally it's either 30 days or 60 days or a lot faster. What, what was it like for you emotionally going through that round? Uh, every emotion, <laughs> I think. Um, it's kind of, you get quite excited about doing it. You know, you know that you're doing something quite big. Uh, you're putting yourselves out there. Um, there's some like fairly um, intense moments of panic when you think that actually you're not going to raise any money at all, and your business is going to come crashing down in front of everyone. Um, it's but it's quite quite exciting um, when you when you actually do go live and you um, you kind of refresh the page a lot and people are putting money in and you can kind of see who it was and <laughs> get super excited. Uh, yeah, um, it, it is exciting. Um, I think our last round we kept open for quite a bit longer so you kind of you actually have a lull where you kind of forget about it for about two weeks and then you you have um a sort of big push at the end um you know coming up and staying up until midnight posting forum updates every 
two hours and then you know you can get I think we got about um in our last round certainly in the last evening I think we probably got about 25 percent of our investment just in that, that amazing, yeah. isn't it? I think yeah. that's really good for people to know because it, it, you're holding on it's like a white knuckle ride until the end and then a lot of people do pile in right at the last minute don't they yeah you, you have know to. whether it's going to happen or not no I know but you have to remind them if you don't keep reminding them they don't know because you're it's probably you know it's not of your agenda like I'm sort of sitting there with my sister interning me interning for me eating Nando's at 11 p.m refreshing at the page but they don't care so you kind of have to yeah did you find that a lot of work that kind of keeping the marketing communications going through the campaign to keep reminding people of what of what they what you wanted them to do which was invest yeah yeah I think you kind of you become if you're if you can be reasonably organized and start writing a few things in advance so you can kind of um keep people updated with interesting stuff but it's not too reactive I think that's quite nice um the I guess I guess the workload actually um, with with crowdfunding. So because you essentially you're reaching out to I don't know about a thousand people, and some of those people are you know people who are like totally into your vision and really excited to be part of it. You kind of have an amazing dialogue with uh, some people. You know you get people who I'll be honest, they never want to invest, just want to have a, quite a fun time criticizing businesses and scrutinizing things and you, because you you're quite laid bare so you share actually like you know all your financial documents and your entire business plan and loads of stuff that any mom, any member of the public wouldn't normally have access to so that does put you on a lot of scrutiny and also a lot of questions um and dealing with that and and i guess uh filtering it uh, and prioritizing that is, is a massive workload um you get a bit smarter as the time goes on of doing it. And also actually, to be honest, a lot of the questions are the same. <laughs> so yeah. that makes things easier. You can build a bit of a, data, a, a bank of, of Q&A, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's very, it's very true. I think um, it's often those, in, those crowdfunding investors that ask you more questions and want to scrutinise even more deeply that are the ones that don't invest or they invest no. very little. Um, but it <laughs> is quite challenging, isn't it, when you've not done it before to try and sort the wheat from the chaff on that front. Definitely. I think crowdfunding is interesting because, uh, and I, I know certainly the platforms have done quite a lot of um, marketing around this, but it's not, I mean, we love actually for us because, you know, we uh, kind of, we kind of have teacher focus and we want parents to sign up to our platform. So like, please put in £10 to our platform and become kind of connected to us for life. That's really cool. Um, but, but also actually uh, the, you know, there's some really big, good tech investors who use crowdfunding platforms now. And I guess just because of the ease and the kind of ability to, to know the things due diligence has been done, you have to spend your time going to syndicate. So it's, it's surprising how, how the, actually the caliber almost of, of, of people you do meet. Mm, that's right, yeah. And um, did you, I mean, you mentioned before about the fact that it's a great way to have such a global reach with your campaign. Did you actually get much investment from outside of the UK? Through yeah, yeah, loads. Um, so our... Um, our found, going back to the networks thing, actually. So our founder, um, he was uh, he's one of those sort of overqualified people. He's worked. Uh, he was Google's first ever tech employee outside the US. Got PhD from Oxford, undergrad from Cambridge, MBA from London Business School. You know, like you name a network that's slightly prestigious, he's, he's in it. So actually, kind of reaching out to again, not people we actually knew, but like I, I actually would kind of reach out to a load of people in those networks, and they're all over the world. Mm. Um, now so we've got yeah like quite 
you can't actively market to America actually um, when you're when you're investing. So, but um, a lot of people who are, I guess, from America had found us and, and, and invested. Uh, so it's really really big in the tech scene. So we had something like thirteen or fourteen angels from Google invest. Uh, maybe five people from Facebook, um, yeah, and, and quite a lot of big tech investors somehow found us. Um, so, so using Charles's networks that he was a really important yeah. part of them, I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely crucial, definitely. And I, th I think it's um, so, and yeah, interesting. And actually, do you know what's been really good about that is that we've because we had quite a big tech network. We've um, and we have quite, quite a few junior people in our tech team. You know, there's people who are super, super clever but don't always have as much life experience um and so actually we've managed to we've had people come in and mentor them okay uh and and kind of so we're kind of getting that it's not just money it's we're getting that input into our business from from yeah. crowdfunding investors which i just never would have thought that's <laughs> so, incredible so you've got all those hundreds of investors who are not just kind of brand ambassadors for you but actually bringing their skills into the business for you yeah yeah, exactly. And, um, and advocates as well. So some people, um, one of our investors, he's um, uh, Brazilian, um, lives, lives in London, but he uh, knows a big school chain in Brazil and was introducing us to, to people there as soon as he'd invested. Um, and also, you just, just by crowdfunding, your network suddenly becomes absolutely huge and everyone's super happy to help you because they're, they're invested in you. So. Fantastic. And what do you, so what do you do to manage that that? huge pool of investors you have now because there's a lot of them um it's a fairly it sounds like weird it's fairly at the moment i mean this is famous last words fairly lightweight i think people are happy just to um hear from us every three or four months and see that things are going well um if we ask for help we normally get it uh and that might be introductions to people sometimes we I guess when we, you know, when we were looking to do another round, we obviously suddenly became a lot more, <laughs> a lot more active. And I'm sure that will happen again. Yeah. Um, but no, it's a fairly, um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of meet people for coffees. We're, we've always said we're quite open. You know, people can come in and meet the team whenever they want, and we're more than happy. Not everyone wants to actually, but um, yeah, we're very much an open, open house as they should say. But great, great point you make. You, if you ask for help, you get it. And I think mm. a lot of people are nervous about asking, but if you get it. Okay, so I mean, let, let, I want to talk to you a little bit about this whole thing about investors coming in from the outside, uh, outside of the UK, because I don't know what your experience is talking to investors here in the UK, but versus those outside. But do, have you seen a difference in the the risk profile of investors from outside of the UK versus inside of the UK? Yeah, definitely, and actually, I guess it is across many industries. But being in education technology, um. UK VCs um, really do not invest in education technology at our stage. Um, it's to the point where you'll you'll kind of meet meet someone and they'll go, well, we don't we and they'll, very often me they'll have tried to or in 2015, you know, there's a lot of edtech investment. A lot of it was single apps as opposed to kind of platform approach we have, and a lot of it, um, you know, a lot of the investments haven't really gone well. So I can kind of see. Where do you have a risk profile? Um, but I think that's the same across a lot of industries. And there seems to be a bit of actually the stage we're at, which is kind of in between seed looking towards series A. There's a big, there just feels like quite a big gap in funding. Um, we, when we talk to US investors and investors from China, I mean, certainly in our industry as well, as you know, about 100 times more investments um, outside because, because there have been some quite big success stories, I guess, partly because the markets they operate in, but but also like you suggest because of the risk profile. Um, 
think I kind of I think that might be to do with the kind of success metrics. I think the um, UK success metrics are quite specific about kind of you know this much revenue by this date can uh, <laughs> compared to this size of your team, this much investment. Whereas if you look at um, you know outside the UK, there's there's other metrics like growth. So you know we grew had sort of six X growth in, in a quite a short period, but found it really hard to raise from UK VCs because um, we were kind of pre-revenue because we were scaling a freemium model to, for all sorts of reasons. So yeah, I, th I think, um, unfortunately, I'm, I'm really hope it changes because um, we have like, the amount of talent in, in the UK is insane uh, for the size, obviously. But um, yeah, a, a great moment this there. Yeah, quite <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you think that's something you would look at in the future is going to to US investors, particularly, you know, given that you're doing a lot of business in the States, aren't you? Yes. Um, yeah, definitely. We're already actively kind of talking to um, to uh, various US funds um, in kind of preparation for raising a Series A. And um, the um, well, actually, because we, we have a presence in the, um, Southeast Asia as well. So um, we've kind of been talking to quite a few funds in Singapore. Okay. Um, and, and kind of, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, with kind of funds with the, where we're op kind of operating in their, their territory. Mm. Um, with, with US um, investments, uh, certainly at the sort of stage we're looking at, you do really have to set up over there. You can't, we, we're selling over there, um, but we, if we want to do that, we do kind of have to factor in, I guess, almost fundraise, but also about a million for a US office. So. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. I, I do get a lot of entrepreneurs say, oh, I know what, you know, what do you think? Should I go and raise in the States? And I'm like, well, it's an option, but you need to be there. You need to have mm -hmm. a presence there. You need to have a strategy to build it in that region because investors want to invest close to home generally in an area that they know well. So, um, so yeah. yeah, okay, interesting. And, and what about, I mean, it's an interesting dynamic you have, isn't it? Because you're, because you're not actually the founder of the business, yet you're the one that's going out and doing the race. Has that, how has that dynamic been? Have you found any challenges around that? Yeah, I mean, it's because, I guess because I'm not the founder, I, for all intents and purposes, I'm more than happy. I, I like going to events. I like reaching out to people. I love, love talking about the business um it makes me super excited <laughs> talking about the impact we have um but um yeah i think i've been given a lot of uh, i guess charles ceo is very like super supportive of, of me and, and very trusting uh in that he'll send me out across the world to go meet people um but i think i think you know see you do kind of you're going to make a, a reasonable size investment you do kind of need to get to know the founder and and that sort of thing so there will always be a time when i'll need to kind of bring him in and um yeah so you're sort of tag, tag teaming a little bit in meetings and yeah exactly but but i think like, like i said before having me doing all that kind of groundwork and meeting people and getting talking about business means that he can actually run the business yeah. <laughs> which is sort of what people are buying into <laughs> anyway right? yeah it's, it's, so, I mean, it's so it's impressive you know um that you're out there doing all of this um, and also kind of really championing the and leading the way, you know, to show other female entrepreneurs that you can certainly do this. <laughs> There's nothing stopping you from doing it. No, no, I, I genuinely, I don't think I've come up against, unless I'm totally blind at any kind of bias at all about being a woman and kind of talking to people and meeting investors. And, you know, like a lot of principals at VCs now are a female. It doesn't really seem to, mm. seem to have an issue. I think maybe the only issue is, uh, Sometimes you do get a bit of a confidence thing. I think even though 
for loads of women I know entrepreneurs are super confident uh, you do kind of have that panic where you go oh is this really happening yeah, that kind of imposter syndrome isn't it I think yeah you know, I think we all suffer from it really yeah. it's just it's not a thing, I don't know. Yeah. But how do you do, I mean, how do you what do you do when you start feeling those feelings I mean sometimes I get bright red and stop talking <laughs> 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 Uh, but no, um, I don't know. I, I, I guess normally it's normally too late when it happens. So it'll be I'll be kind of like pitching or something on stage in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of a pitch. You go in the middle of a pitch. You go. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't tend to last too long. I think um, normally when you kind of look into the audience and 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 you're pitching and things, everyone sort of. Looks looks quite supportive. That makes sense. No one wants you to fail. No one's like, oh, I really hope this is a terrible pitch. Actually, you know, she doesn't know what she's talking about. So when you kind of think that and think like this is quite a nice audience, it's yeah. Then I think you can kind of go right. Well, people are backing me. Come on, just let's just do this. Yeah, that's good. So you kind of feed off other people's reaction and and and, and brazen it out. Yeah, <laughs> more eloquent way of putting it. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. That's that's brilliant. Um, so. I guess, I mean, I've just got a couple more questions, really. You know, if you could do anything differently um, on your raise, even though you made a great success of it, you know, what do you, what do you think you might do differently if you could start again? Uh, I, I think I've talked a lot about um, kind of how nuts it, it can be in terms of the volume of um, <laughs> kind of inquiries and then talk, and talking to people and that sort of thing. I think um, you do tend to spread yourself too thinly. Um, when you're planning a raise because you don't necessarily know what uh, your funding sources are going to be so you know like I said I might have spent you know a week's worth of business time chasing down UKBCs who are never never going to invest uh, at that point so I think um, I'd probably start profiling um, my investors much earlier on and thinking a bit more cleverly about who's actually likely to invest and looking at maybe similar companies and mapping out the tech landscape and our networks a bit better and a bit more smartly rather than going, that person's got some money. I should, um, uh, <laughs> I should go, I should go and speak to them. I think that's, that's definitely what I'd, certainly in the early stages, um, I, I, would, I would do differently. Yeah, it's good advice because there are, there are lots and lots of investors out there and you do want to, I mean, you're running a sales funnel, aren't you? You want to put good quality people in the top of that funnel so that you don't waste your time speaking to anybody and everybody. But that it's a bit of an art and a science, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Better of a qualification. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, and you know, what do you think about how we can get more women um, going out there raising money? Cause there's still not enough of us out there going out there and raising the money and scaling our businesses. It's still yeah. only around, I think around 7% in the UK of the, the money is going to female founded businesses. Really? It's pretty low. What do you think we could do? That's the wrong ratio. I think um, yeah, we all have a responsibility as, as people with experience um, fundraising to kind of to, to help help each other out. So I think you know if you do get if you do meet a, a fund or a, an angel or you know accelerator that's um, really supportive of you and you get a bit of luck or you kind of get get someone who really gets what you understands and you know why not? Obviously, once you close still uh, <laughs> kind of make an introduction think right what other brilliant women do I do I know you know pay it forward I guess yeah I mean I think actually the fact that you're talking to us now about the, your experience you're paying it forward and I think that actually is has a huge impact 
to show other women that you know it can be done and here's some pitfalls along the way but it's it's very very possible what's next for Zish then where are you where are you taking the business next and um are you gonna be are you gonna be out there raising funds again always <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're actually having a bit of downtime at the moment um after our last round we've got uh some quite big two really big goals um for this year so um we uh, have always kind of scaled in the u.s market but we've now got a um a very specific sales process that we are happy with and want to prove out and we've really invested in our sales team actually um to, to do that and to kind of get to those revenue milestones and also um uh in in southeast asia where we're looking at um uh, government deals and um, we kind of need to to, to close those and again make sure we've kind of got the technical development and infrastructure in place so the whole company uh for once in a startup and it's only this out of my face it's aligned really properly aligned actually towards towards those goals so it's a, it's a good place to be yeah and, and then um and then we'll be raising a um uh series a in a few months time if any out there and watching this. <laughs> well i'm sure there will be so um hopefully you'll get some interest off the back of this and it sounds like you're very focused about what you want to do next that's really good yeah definitely, definitely. yeah exciting stuff i think what you're doing is brilliant it sounds like a, an amazing service i wish you all the best and um best of luck with the next round all those investors out there that are listening speak to daisy because she's all <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank Thanks you so much. much for sharing your story, Daisy. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for following Fundraising Stories with Female Founders. This content is all provided to you for free. So if you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe so you never miss another one. Enter the Arena has helped hundreds of female founders fly through pre-raise and investment and onto the exponential growth of their business. Our first-hand experience expert guidance and proven programs help female founders unleash the Wonder Woman inside. To see if we can help you do the same, head over to www.entertheArena.co.uk. I'm Julia Elliott-Brown and I look forward to talking with you soon.